That was good. That was good. I didn't want to interrupt it. I wanted to be a part of it, but I didn't want to interrupt it. So, well, good morning, everybody. My name is John Lorenzo. I'm the youth director here at Sit Down Hill Church. We have officially made it through my three weeks up here, and by we, I mean me. And uh, we are going to wrap it up with an amazing sermon. Um, we had a great first service, guys. And, um, you know, I'm pretty real and honest. And today I just felt a lot of heaviness on me this morning and, uh, as I was sitting there. And so um, Miss Blanche, she was hilarious when she did the announcements, first and second service. And I said, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, I needed that. It helps me kind of come out of it. Because, you know, when you're trying to do the Lord's work sometimes, you could start to get down. It could start to get heavy. And I just, I feel like these three weeks have been so critical for myself and for so many people. I've heard so many reports of, of um, just the weight being lifted, the chains being broken, you know, reshaping and reframing what our past means to us and how important it is for our testimony. And so that's nothing different than what we're going to talk about today um, as we get into our uh, third series in the sermon titled Learning to Live Again, or I say for sometimes, Learning to Live for the First Time. Maybe not ever truly you know, looking at the life that God has for you. So I do want to do a quick recap if you weren't here. Uh, week one, we talked all about overcoming the past hurts that have been committed against you. So um, abuse and trauma where somebody else sinned against you. And one of the biggest things we talked about, one of the toughest words we talked about that week was forgiveness. And just so you guys know, just heads up, it's in this sermon too. We can't get rid of it. So it's important. Um, week two, we talked all about uh, ourselves and how we, if we have sinned in the past and we have asked for forgiveness, how we have not let it go, you know, how we carry the weight of the shame and the guilt. And so it's important for those two weeks that we acknowledge what has happened and then we move on from it. And so this week, as we jump in, we are going to continue looking inside of ourselves, but we are going to do it alongside a story from the Bible. But I wanted to start out this week with um, Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. And we did discuss it in the earlier weeks, <clears throat> but I want to make sure if you weren't here or if maybe you didn't quite hear it as well, that you understand these verses. So it's Isaiah 53, 4 to 5, and it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What I want you to know this morning, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that the work has already been done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he died to take all of it with him. That's the shame, the guilt, that is the hurt, that is the sin that was committed on us by other people. And so there's a, 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 it's freeing to hear that because we understand that as we walk into this sermon, as we close out this series, as we really try to live free, we understand that we're walking in victory. We are walking in victory. So that should immediately take some weight off. That should let you know that the work's been done, that, you know, Jesus has already provided the way, and he has given us, it says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
So I want you to know that so when you face this life, because life's crazy. Listen, you may hear this sermon and you may walk out there and, and life may slap you back in the face again, right? This is a daily walk. This is a daily reminder. So maybe every day we should look at that and understand that the work has been done, that we are waking up in the morning in victory, Amen. that this morning we are celebrating victory. And so that way we can understand who's on our side. And that's really what I wanted this series to be about. I wanted us to really understand the heart of God. And, 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 a, and a great way to do that is to look at a, a biblical story. Now, I will tell you that this story, we're going to be talking about Joseph from the book of Genesis. And I will tell you that this story goes from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. So I'm going to give you some homework. I encourage you to go home and read that. And if you're like me, you may not get through it all in one sitting, okay? And I'm going to blame it on my three-year-old, but it has nothing to do with her. It's my own three-year-old mind. <laughs> but here's why I encourage you to do this. And as we begin to unpack this, you'll understand that your testimony, you can give it very quickly, right? And it may have some effect. But if you truly have a moment to sit down and share the details of your testimony, you can really rock some people. Because we can hear certain things and we can think, wow, man. But we can't wrap our minds around it. So as I'm going to try to break down the life of Joseph for you, you may look at me and you may not feel it the same way I feel it because I read all those chapters and it is a whirlwind ride of a life. So we'll begin to dig in. And, and uh, oh, I forgot again. In your program, you have a study guide. We're not there yet, but I keep forgetting to tell everybody this is my last sermon, you know, hopefully not forever, but for, you know, until Mike gets back. So I want to make sure that, you know, you know, that your study guide's in there. We will get to those verses, but we're going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to try to give you a brief synopsis of the life of Joseph. And basically, when it starts out, Joseph is a little annoying brother. And here's what's cool. When I started out, I was a little annoying brother. <laughs> to this day, I can be a little annoying brother. I have two older brothers, and, um, and I'm sure I annoy some of you as well, and you're welcome. But <laughs> he was a little brother, and he had this way of getting on his brother's nerves. And how many of you guys know that's a gift? That's a gift. You could turn any situation, and you could just, yeah, right there, and then all of a sudden, you made them mad. Well, we can combine that gift with a true gift that God gave Joseph. Joseph has the gift to interpret dreams. And so he could interpret dreams, and what was scary about that was he interpreted his own dreams. And basically what he was seeing was that his family one day was going to be bowing down to him. And his brothers were going to be bowing down to him. Now, like any good younger brother, Joseph decided he needed to make this public news. So he rubbed it in his brother's faces a couple times, and then he had another dream. And he's like, you guys, guess what? I dreamt it again this time. And he paints the picture, and when you read it, if you're like me, you're going to be laughing because you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe he was just, ah, you know. Well, his brothers took it a little bit too far. They saw him coming across the field, and they were like, listen, I'm sick and tired of this brother. And one brother was like, well, we need to kill him. And I was like, oh, this is getting good. And, uh, and so thankfully, he had another brother there who was like, listen, we don't need to kill him. That would be cruel. That would be mean. What we need to do is throw him in this well. We're going to let nature take its course. So they ripped off this special jacket that he had, they threw him in a well, and um, they, were, they went and they killed an animal, and they spilled the blood on the jacket 
so they could convince their father that they found the jacket and Joseph had been mauled by an animal. Brothers can get creative, right? But as they were getting ready to do that, some people were coming in and they had an even better thought. They said, listen, if we were going to kill him, we weren't going to get anything from that, but we'll just sell him into slavery. So they sold him, I think it was 30 pieces of sil- or 20 pieces of silver, and they sold him into slavery. And that was it. Joseph was taken away. They went back. They convinced you know, the father that he had been killed. father was devastated because he was the favorite son. And so he went mourning for like 70 days. And there's a whole, again, as you're reading through, you'll see what happened. So they convinced him that. And Joseph sold into slavery. He was purchased by a very wealthy Egyptian master. And what I want you to not miss, though, and what I want you to do when you're reading through this scripture is I want you to look for verses like this, because they're all throughout these chapters. Genesis 39.2 said, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Now what I want you to start doing as we're talking about this is I want you to see this thread of this crazy life of Joseph, and I want you to see that the Lord was always with him. And I don't want you to get caught up in the details of this and say, well, you know what? My brothers didn't try to kill me. They didn't sell me. All these other things didn't happen to me. So this story doesn't apply to you. What we're understanding here is no matter how crazy your story is, God is with you. And even when he was sold into slavery, even when the evils of man had their way with him, it says the Lord was with him so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So we need to understand this. Now, so we're looking at Joseph's life. We're thinking, well, it was about to go really, really bad. Then it was kind of bad. Then it looked like it was getting really good. But story doesn't end there. He's taken over. He is in charge of this entire um, household and all the things, you know, because he had the Lord's favor on him. Well, the, the master's wife decided she kind of liked Joseph. So she tried to make a pass at him, and he resisted. He did the right thing. He said, listen, he's given me all of this. He's given me responsibility. He respects me. I would never, never do this to him. So as she's trying to grab at him and he runs away, he loses part of his robe. Well, she's upset. She's rejected. So what does she do? She goes running out, and she says, he tried to rape me. And he hold, she holds up this robe. So, of course, he's a slave. Nobody believes him. So now Joseph goes to prison. So I hope you're continuing on with this story. Because he was in a pit. Then he went to a palace. Yes. And now he's in prison. Yes. How many of you guys have felt the ups and downs, the highs and lows of life? It doesn't end there. <laughs> but in Genesis 39, 21, we see... The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God did not leave Joseph because he went to prison. God did not leave Joseph when he did the right thing, but society didn't accept it. God did not leave him. In fact, God was with him, and God was still providing the way. And you know how Joseph knows this? Because he kept his eyes on God throughout all of this. He knew he had a gift from the Lord, and it's going to come into play right here. Because while in prison, he met the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker, and he interpreted their dreams uh, for them. Now, this was great for the cupbearer, because, see, they had both gotten in trouble with Pharaoh, and they'd gotten thrown into prison. And when he interpreted the dream for the cupbearer, it showed that he was going to be restored 
to the side of Pharaoh as his cupbearer. Didn't go so well for the baker, but I'm going to let you read that. Because <laughs> as I'm reading, I was like, whoa, this is getting good, right? You get kind of amped because, you know, everybody likes a good story, right? So he said to the cupbearer, don't forget me. So time goes by, the cupbearer gets restored back to Pharaoh's side, and, of course, he forgets Joseph. So for years, Joseph sits there in prison, having an opportunity to get bitter, angry, resentful, mad, depressed, down on himself. He could stop talking to God. He could stop looking, but instead he didn't do that. He kept his mind right. And what happened was two years later, Pharaoh had a dream, and he was very upset about the dream. You ever had a dream that just kind of rocks you? Quick side note, I forgot to share it in first service. I had one last night. Rocked me. I was preaching, and there was a tree right here, and it was planted, and I was upset, and none of my microphones would work, and it was just going bad and bad and bad. Now, one of the microphones did not work this morning, so then I got really nervous. I didn't tell anybody, though. I lived with it. So far, everything's been going pretty good. I should have waited until the end of this sermon to share that with you. <laughs> See something start to grow, everybody just know that Joseph interpreted that dream. But anyways, dreams can rock you, and this one rocked Pharaoh, Okay. To the point where he was upset, and the cupbearer remembered, I know somebody. I know somebody who's living in their gift of God. And so he said, Joseph in the prison, he interpreted my dream, and everything he said came true, including what happened to that baker. Don't miss it. And so they went, and they got Joseph, and they brought him to Pharaoh, and he interpreted the dream. And the dream was amazing, because basically what it showed was that for seven years, they were going to have an, uh, an amazing overabundance of food and supplies. But then the next seven years, they were going to have an incredible famine. There was going to be nothing left for them. And so this was huge because what happened was Pharaoh took that to heart, trusted, saw the gift, saw that Joseph was working in the Lord's gifting, okay, listened to him and said, listen, because you told me this and because I'm nothing without what the Lord says, you are now number two in all of Egypt. So let's look at Joseph's life again, because this is crazy. Annoying little brother, almost ends up murdered, goes into a pit, gets sold into slavery, gets accused of something after living in a beautiful palace, goes to prison, stays in prison, feels forgotten, feels like he's never going to get better, but still keeps the faith, and then comes out and becomes number two in all of Egypt. So I want to let you know that you have an opportunity to look at your life the same way. And what I mean by that is you have an opportunity to look at your life and understand that you have no idea what God sees ahead of you. You have no idea because at all these different points, Joseph could have lost hope. He could have thought that there was no point in him, there was no point in this gifting. He could have thought the gift was just for the cupbearer and the, and the baker, but he knew that God had something for him. And then he was risen into power and glory because he focused on the Lord. And what we're going to see as we get into the scripture um, at the end of Genesis is we're going to see Joseph's true heart. And I believe that's why the Lord continued to provide for him and continue to pave the way for him. Because you're going to see in a moment that Joseph ends up interacting with his brothers again. And for many chapters, he has every opportunity to take revenge on them, to starve them to death, to, to, to not seek reconciliation. But he doesn't do that. Because God 
is who provided everything for him, and he knows that God is a good God, and that God wants better than that. So we have to understand that. So when you go through and you read the story, and you start, now here's the deal, Joseph does kind of play with his brothers a little bit, but he always has the best intentions, and he always provides for them. And what he does is he keeps sending them away so that they continue to come back with another brother. Because he wants to see his whole family. And then they send, him, they send them away, and eventually the father comes back. And they have this moment of reconciliation. And it's beautiful. And I'm telling you this morning that as you're looking back on your life, as you're dealing with the past that's been holding you back, I pray that you look through it with the eyes of eternity that Joseph did. Don't look at it to what can I get. Don't look at it to how can I get revenge. Don't look at how you can get back at somebody. Look beyond it, because see, at all these different points, Joseph could have reacted out of revenge, but he didn't. He walked with the Lord. He continued to move forward, and look what the Lord provided for him. Joseph didn't just go on to become number two in all of Egypt. Joseph went on to become number two in everywhere, because here's what ended up happening. He sat there, and they collected so much food in those seven years that the Bible actually says they stopped counting it. They just, they're like, it's just growing out of control. They stored it up. And then what would happen is not only could they feed their people, but others could come and they could sell them food. First for money, then for supplies, and then eventually they just stayed there and they worked and they ate. And Egypt was able to provide all of this to everybody. Joseph ran all of that. So consequently, a group from Canaan came and they were his brothers. Now here's the thing. His brothers didn't even recognize him. And I got to think... Because it wasn't that far that went through. I got to think that they were so distraught, that they were so just down on themselves that they never actually even looked at him. I got to think that they came up. So just imagine the people who tried to kill you, the people who tried to bring you harm, the people that sold you, come to you begging for food, not even looking at you, just begging. Joseph had every opportunity and nobody would have even flinched. Nobody would have even thought different of them, but God would have, and he knew that. And so he began to, 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 to work through those things, provide for his family, and Pharaoh was like, Joseph, whatever you want. He's like, go get all your family, go get all your people, bring them, we're going to give them the nicest plot of land, we're going to do whatever, because Joseph had found favor in Pharaoh, not because of Joseph, but because of the Lord in Joseph, because of the favor of the Lord, because of the gifting and him working in his gifting. I got to tell you this morning, you have a gift and you may not even uncovered it, but if you work in that gift, you will find favor in the eyes of the Lord and the people that he puts in front of you. So we need to understand that. So now we move through the story and we get to the point where Joseph's father is now about to die. It's right at the end of the story and um, he, he's ready to pass away and you know what? He's content. He got to see Joseph again. And so I'm going to read from you, and it's in your bulletin. It'll come up on the screen in uh, Genesis 50, 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. 
When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So your first fill-in is, learning to live again happens when we learn how to grieve. We need to learn how to grieve. In verse 17, you see Joseph wept. And when you go back, because you said you were going to, and it's this church, so you didn't lie, so you're going to go read 37 to 50. When you read it, you will see multiple times where Joseph becomes overwhelmed with the feelings, and he goes away to cry, and he goes to deal with them. And it's ironic that I'm the one that is teaching a sermon that says learn how to grieve. Because many of you know Pastor Mike, he'll be up here, and he'll just hit that moment, and he'll have a moment. I don't have those moments in life, and I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. I wish I did know how to grieve better. I feel like this sermon is for me. But Joseph knew that it was important to cry. Jesus, Jesus wept. That's a verse in the Bible. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, so if you're looking for one to memorize, it's pretty good. But more importantly than that, the reason why he wept is what gets me. See, that story where it says Jesus wept was when Lazarus had died, and Jesus is on his way there. And I know that Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still weeps, and he weeps because he acknowledges the pain and the hurt in Mary and Martha. He acknowledges that. Let me let you know, Jesus weeps when we weep. He feels when we feel. And so it's okay to grieve. You know, I shared um, earlier on in this series that, um, you know, when my dad passed away, I didn't, I didn't cry. I didn't talk. And it, it's hard for me still sometimes to talk about it, but, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that if you just share the, the overview of your testimony, people don't understand the true feelings that you go through. So when my dad passed away, I was nine, and I found him in the bathroom after having a sudden heart attack. And I helped my mother beat the door down to get him out to begin to try to revive him. And it didn't work. And that was tough. That was really tough. And I began to, to suppress my emotions. I watched everything around me. I began to suppress my emotions. But years later, I had that, and I shared, I had that ugly cry moment where I just fell out. And I truly, truly grieved. And I feel like that's when my healing really started. That's when I began to acknowledge what truly, truly happened. And um, I share that with you because I know you all have similar stories. You have, it may not look exactly like mine, it's not going to probably look exactly like Joseph's, but you have something that you need to acknowledge and grieve over. And so it's important that we understand that, but I want you to know that Joseph wept, Jesus wept. Guys, I'm saying to the guys, it's okay to weep, you know? And if you're, ladies, if you don't do it either, it's okay because you need to acknowledge what happened. You can't move past it if you don't acknowledge it. Like if you say, oh man, this hurt, I'm upset about the hurt. No, what hurt you? Amen. Don't just focus on the fact that it hurt you, what hurt you, and move past it. And so it's critical to learn how to grieve. But I just, I love that, that verse with Jesus because 
he, he was in control. And he knew the situation. So for it to say Jesus wept, I really feel that in my heart. That he weeps with us. When we grieve, he grieves. But he doesn't grieve out of a loss. He doesn't grieve out of misery and, and hopelessness. He just grieves because he understands that we feel. And that we're going to move, move on. And so this brings us to my next point. Learning to live again happens when we learn how to forgive. And I know, before you yell at me, I get it. It's that word forgiveness again. But we have learned how important that is. And how important that is for us. Not for the other person. Now it's great for the other person. Because let me tell you what. If you show forgiveness to somebody, you are showing them the forgiveness of Christ. If you have an opportunity to say, hey brother, I know you hurt me. But I forgive you. And I really forgive you. I don't forgive you and then I'm going to stab you in the back. I don't forgive you and then I'm going to talk about you. No, I forgive you. Now you've now shown them the hands and feet and the heart of Christ. So that right there is powerful. But it's also about you. Because you need to free that. You need to release that. Just like we need to learn to grieve because we need to deal with that, we need to learn to forgive so we can deal with that. And sometimes you need to learn to forgive yourselves. And that's the hardest to forgive. Because you're literally battling with yourself. And I usually lose and lose that battle. So you need to learn and I need to learn how to truly forgive. And that's why I say with grieving, with forgiving, it's not about the hurt itself. It's not about being that I was hurt. It's about what hurt you. What was that and how do we overcome that? And then you move into forgiveness. And you look at Joseph and you think, wow, I mean, he really forgave them. He forgave the brothers who tried to kill him, who sold him, who then, and even if he didn't forgive him, he had every opportunity to turn them into slaves. I mean, think of what everybody else would have done in that situation. Had they not had the Lord in their heart, they would have taken advantage of that situation nine times out of ten. I probably would have taken advantage of that situation nine times out of ten. If you don't have the love of Christ in your heart, you don't know how to act above reproach like that. And so they come to him groveling, and he literally picks them up, and he provides everything they need. And then he lets them know that he forgives them. And, and I love it. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So this is where we need to take a step back from ourselves, and we need to understand that what God has planned for us is so much greater than just for us. God can send you somewhere where you can go on to save many lives, but not if you're holding yourself back. See, what if Joseph would have been in that prison, and he would have been so bitter about being in that prison that he wouldn't have interpreted those dreams? How would anybody have ever thought that he knew how to do that? How would everybody have thought to go get him when Pharaoh needed somebody? So don't let your bitterness, don't let your resentment, don't let your anger or your hostility hold you back. Release that. Because not only did Joseph's life change, not only did the lives of his family, but let's face it, nobody else prepared for this famine. If Egypt had not, think of history. Think of it. No, there would have been nowhere to go. You know, we don't necessarily, I'm not ready for seven years of nothing. I'm just being honest. We don't think that way. So Joseph played such a critical role, but he could have lost all that back in the pit. He could have got so bitter 
And so some of you right now have been carrying this bitterness that has caused you to not act when you should act. And so we need to let that go. And that will happen when, and it's your last feeling, when we learn how to see that God is sovereign. When we learn how to see that God is in control. Listen, it might not always be the prettiest road. It might not always be a straight point from A to B. But if we understand that at all points in the road that God is in control, if we understand, just like in Genesis kept saying, that the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, and more than saying it, we could see it by his actions. If we understand that, then it doesn't matter what the road looks like. It doesn't matter the twists and turns. We just let God guide us on that road. We just let him guide us to those points. And we will see that. The evil that was meant to destroy you, including the bad things that you did and that I did, and that I've said some of the things that I did, and all that you have carried, the guilt, the shame, and the hurt, God can and will use for good if we let him. And this is really where we kind of end this series. We really kind of end this series acknowledging that we need God in our lives. That we need him in the good. That we need him in the bad. That we need his direction because we can't see what's over there. You know, that's why I said I can't use microphones because I do like this. So just imagine Joseph being over here. The glory that we now know in Genesis 50 that's all the way over there, Joseph cannot see. All he can do is trust in God. That's all he can do. And when it takes a turn, he trusts in God. And when somebody falsely accuses him of something, he trusts in God. You know, Pastor Mike says this thing, and it has stuck with me my whole life. He says, you can't control what somebody says about you. You can only control if it's true or not. And that right there... I have carried that with me through so many situations that weren't fair, that, that, that weren't true, but I've lived in that, and I've continued to act, not always perfect, because we're being perfected, but I've, continue, I've tried to act to the best of my ability. So Joseph, as he's carrying out these things, he has no, I mean, could you ever imagine you go from a pit to being the second in control of everything? No. That means you have no idea what God has in store for you. We have no idea what God has for us. We just need to trust him, and then we really need to get comfortable using the biggest tool he gave us, our testimony. And so my encouragement to you is if you are at the point of this series where you need to work on you, then that's great. You need to dig into yourself. You need to rebuild. You know, when I first came to City on a Hill Church, I was so hurt that in my nature, I wanted to, to volunteer, Pastor Mike was like, you need some time. You need some time. And so I took time. And then once I was ready, by my nature, I was like, here, I'm here to work. Let's do it. Some of you need some time right now. You need some time to rebuild, to refresh, to renew, to overcome some of the stuff that's in your life. And we're here for that. Our prayer team is here. We have cards in front of you. If you want to write those down, write your prayer request down. We will pray with you every week. We will call you. We, whatever we can do to support you in that. I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, City on Hill Church is a healing church. Because we don't expect to build the church on your backs. But then, once you do that, once you've overcome that, there's nothing else you will want to do 
but use your life story to give God glory. And we also have opportunities for that. And so I will say, this was never meant to be a serve uh, sermon. I know sometimes, you know, pastors will write things and they're like, oh, we could work this around serving. But I will tell you, we do have an immediate need in our preschool. So if you feel called to that age group at all, and here's the deal, you have not because you asked not. I'm letting you know we have had an immediate need come up in our preschool. So if you have any interest at all in serving in that capacity, go see Miss Carmen after uh, service and, and just reach out to her. Because here's what I know. It's your story for God's glory. And so once you're ready, we want to give you all the opportunities you have to serve, to, to be his hands and feet, to give you opportunities to have conversations. I mean, some of the greatest conversations I've had have been in environments where I'm serving. The homeless breakfast, when we went to Puerto Rico, we had such a great time getting to know each other. Not even just the locals, we all connected. Our family connected. So if you're looking for some way to connect, there's, you call the church office, talk to Miss Dyer, Miss Mary, we got ways to connect. And I'm sorry your phones are going to be ringing this week, but, you know, we'll, we'll work through it. Because I truly believe that that is the course. First and foremost, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. We can throw this out without Jesus. Everything I just told you is nothing without Jesus. So, 100%. And I tell you that because if you've not had a relationship with Jesus, it's as simple as just asking him. It's not difficult. The work's been done. He's literally there waiting for you to receive him. Now, after you do that, the next step is to ask for forgiveness. To ask him for forgiveness. Here's the best part. He'll forgive you. And the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your transgressions. So they're gone. Then you need to learn to forgive yourself and forgive others. But you can't mix it all up. How do we know how to forgive if we've not been forgiven? He does that. He takes care of that. How do we know how to love if we've not felt true love? Jesus will give you that. I don't know what your earthly life has been like, but Jesus will be that love. So once all that's taken care of, now you need to know that you've reshaped your past into a testimony, a testimony that will let anybody know that God is good and that he loves and that he will pick you up, he will turn you around, he will place your feet on solid ground, and he has a purpose for you. And it doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, or the better years. It doesn't matter. God, (laughs) 100%, 100%. Here's the deal. It doesn't make sense that I'm 31 and I'm up here, but because I'm allowing God to utilize me, then you can look on me with a level of respect that literally blows my mind and, and humbles me. And I'm talking true humility. That also is the flip side. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you are not done. God will use you. God will use you in such a mighty and powerful way that you didn't see coming. You didn't see it in the pit. You didn't see it in the palace. You didn't see it in the prison. God will use you, but you have to be willing. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray. And and when I pray, you know, when we ask for a show of hands, that's just to signify your relationship to God. But really, the most important work is you just got to talk to him. You just got to pray. See, when, when my dad passed away and I went into like 10 years of just fighting with God, it wasn't until I came to know him that I realized that that was kind of like a relationship and that even though I was mad 
And even though I was yelling things, and even though it didn't make sense, and I had all these questions and accusations, I was still interacting with God for 10 years of my life. And so that is the most important piece to do that. And now that you know, I'm in a better relationship with him. There's sometimes I still got words for him and we still got to work through some stuff and he's okay with that. He would rather we sit there and just dig in and just have those moments than me just completely walk away. But here's what I want to tell you. If you walk away, you can't accuse him of walking away because if at any moment you turn around and you try to have a relationship with him, he'll be right there with the same love, the same grace, the same mercy, the same affection. And so um, I just really, really want to, uh, first off, thank you guys for, for this series and the ability to preach this. I want to thank God because this was not from me. You see, I needed this as much as you needed this. And that's why none of these sermons have ever matched my notes. And <laughs> I try and I try. I'm turning pages for no reason up here. I could have brought blank pages because I feel like the Holy Spirit had something for us. And I feel like he wants to equip us. And then here's the thing. Pastor Mike, he went away to, to, to refresh and renew, and he needs that. But when he comes back, I pray that he is blown away by the amount of testimonies he's hearing and the amount of love. And I will encourage you, let's pack the house out next week, because if any of you know Pastor Mike, he's going to come and boots the doors with, a, with an incredible message. But I want us to understand how important we are in the plan that God has, not only for our lives, but for this church. And so you need to hear that and you need to know that. You don't need to carry any of the weight you've been carrying anymore. You need to release it. And then you need to step into the life that God has for you. You need to put that weight down and you need to pick up what he has in store for you. And it might be carrying some different weight. Maybe he put something on your heart. Maybe he put a, a mission field on your heart. You can now step into that mission field because you've left all that behind you. But whatever it is, my prayer is that you will step in to the life and the promises that he has for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, your word has been preached, and we thank you for Joseph and the life that he lived. We thank you that we can see in the ups and downs, in the highs and the lows, in the tough times and the good times, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with us. So Lord, I thank you that if we turn to you, that you will be there, and that your word says, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And so if you would die for us then, why won't you live for us now? And all we have to do is turn to you. So in a moment, with every head bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you this morning, if you've never had a relationship with Christ, or if you've been walking with Christ, but really just not, you've just taken it for granted and all that he has for you, or maybe this is your first time back to church in a while, and you're, you're ready to have the true relationship with him. You're ready to receive him so that you can feel forgiveness and then extend forgiveness and then walk into his life. If you just raise your hand this morning and signify that relationship, I see hands going up. Yes, Lord. I ask for blessings on them. Yes, Lord. You may place your hands down. And for everyone in this room, if you just say this prayer with me in the quietness of your heart, dear God, I need you. I can't do any of this without you. I need you to restore me and refresh me and renew me. I need you to forgive me so that I can understand how to extend forgiveness to others. Lord, I need your love so once I am loved, I will know how to love others. And God, I pray that you can use me and my testimony and the gifts that you've given me to advance your kingdom, to save people from death, to save people from 
hell and to save people from hell on earth. So Lord, it is in your name that we pray and it is in your name that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning.